Bullshit is everywhere. Bullshit is rampant. Welcome back to the Bullshit Filter, the news, our weekly news show. My name is Cameron Riley. Hi, I'm Ray Harris. And this is Bullshit Filter, the news, episode four recorded on this very day of the Lord, Monday, the 30th of April, 2018. Um, oh, look, the main story, Ray, I, I want to talk about today. Yes. Uh, we've got a bunch of stories. But the, the thing that I've been fucking obsessed with for the last week, Ray, right. is this story that I came across that... Uh, look, okay, let me back up a bit. Right. We, you know, my view on the whole Trump, Putin, Russia collusion thing is, it's all very interesting. Yeah. Um, I love a little bit of salacious uh, news stories, but, you know, let's let's just hold off right. until the evidence has been presented before we jump to conclusions. What another Because idea. there's a lot... There's a lot of stuff at play here. There's a lot of sides. There's a lot of <clears throat> propaganda on both sides, as always. And uh, it, it's always, I think, a sensible move to just hold off. That said, Ray. <laughs> I, went down, I went down a fucking rabbit hole recently. Do tell. That, that is so deep right. that... <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm, I've come out in the other end. I think I'm pretty close to you in Bumfuck, Virginia. I, I went th- right I through the center of the earth. you found the corpse, the skeletal remains of Bugs Bunny. It went down so deep and got lost. <laughs> um, and this is the story of a man who is often referred to as the boss of bosses of the Russian mob. Mm. Um, now I know that a lot of people think that if you if you if you just go by the what you see in the mainstream media <clears throat> that Vladimir Putin is the boss of bosses right. of Russia, the man who runs Russia. Well, as it turns out, <clears throat> uh, it may be that Vladimir Putin has a boss. Right. Um, now, first of all, I've never bought that story that he's just one guy. Um, you know, I think there is a range of guys that are, uh, are involved in running Russia. You, you often hear to the you hear them referred to as the oligarchs. Right. These are the guys that, when the Soviet Union collapsed in the nineties, uh, managed to basically get the rights to all of the big businesses, banking and, and telecommunications and gas, all these sorts of things, and they made a fucking fortune like became overnight billionaires and and used that money to consolidate their power and some have been killed off etc etc and putin seems to be friendly with a lot of these guys uh he's the guy that got when they were picking uh you know who was going to get what out of the uh out of the hat right um (laughs) during the collapse of the ussr you know putin got you know government and the rest of them got banking. Oh, you get gas. That's right. So they, they, <laughs> you get the Kremlin. They, you get uh, oil. Yeah. You get shopping. You, yeah. 
<laughs> so that's what you know. You divvy these things up amongst yourselves, and, yeah. and they watch each other's backs, and the money gets spread around. Uh, mostly, you know, fair. Everyone gets to dip their beak, and everyone has <laughs> secret bank accounts and all this kind of stuff. Oh, but, I love that. But there is this guy. Th- yeah, yeah. But there is this guy that I've never heard of until last week. Um, maybe because I haven't been paying attention. Maybe everyone else has heard of him. But I don't think so because I've done an analysis of the mainstream media coverage of him of late and it's 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 lacking. Right. Um, uh, you'll find him talked about in some of the um, alt media. Uh, and, and, you know, it checks out. It's not uh, fake news. I've, I've, I've gone into mainstream sources. He, he has appeared in the mainstream media. He has appeared in government reports. He's, uh, he appears in a lot of some seemingly legitimate places, but you just don't get hear him talked about as much as you might expect based on who he is. Right. And his name is Semyon Mogilevich. Semyon Mogilevich. He's um, also known as uh, Don Semyon or the Brainy Don because he's like the smartest mob boss in the world, apparently. Now, Semyon Mogilevich and Donald Trump were both born within two weeks of each other in June 1946. Aha, connection. Yeah, well, yeah, there you go. That's it. So, obviously, uh, I rest my case, Your Honour. Uh, <laughs> Let the record show Mogile- what doing. or Mogo, as I'm going to refer to him because it's too hard to say wait, that at this wait, hour of the morning. Hold on. If he's a billionaire murderer, don't you want to make sure he's okay with whatever nickname you Aussies throw on him? Ah, look, everyone loves a good Aussie nickname. Okay. Right? That's 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 <laughs> why we that. do it. Okay. Yeah, Sorry. you can't get you can't get offended if somebody goes Mogo, mate, Mogo. <laughs> It's too friendly. We're the friendliest people on earth. Okay. Everyone knows that. All right. Mogo was born to a Jewish family in Kiev, so he's Ukrainian by birth. Mm-hmm. Um, before he became a criminal, allegedly Alleged. became a criminal. <laughs> Thank you. He, uh, uh, he earned an economics degree. So not your average mob boss, right. Tony Soprano. Uh, Don Corleone uh, did not have economics degrees, (laughs) to the best of my knowledge. I know Stringer Bell. Yeah, Stringer Bell went to night school to uh, do a course about uh, you know uh, 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 pricing plasticity, uh, but but didn't get an economics degree. Now um, he's gone on, uh, Mogo. To uh, be called, as, as I said at the beginning of this, the boss of bosses of the Russian mob. Ooh. With operations running, allegedly, uh, all over the world. Allegedly, he said. <laughs> now, now, there's a bunch of interesting connections here, and I'm just going to talk about some of them. I, I could spend a week talking <laughs> to you about this guy and his connections, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... Tell the story as quickly as I can for the purposes of this show because we want to do some other stories today. But I want everyone to check this guy out and see what you can find out about him and see how often or or lack thereof he turns up in the the mainstream media coverage. Um, Now, his connection to uh, your beloved uh, president, der Führer Trump, (laughs) um, comes in a number of different ways. Okay. 
the, but but some of the most uh, let me let me let me tackle some of the ones where it seems pretty obvious that there is a connection how close that connection is i don't want to suggest i have read things that say well donald trump and his father before him both worked uh, or work uh, as the case may be for uh, mogo wow they're they're part of his money laundering schemes in the united states now that's surmise i don't believe there's any facts to back that up yet but there are some very interesting connections let me start with a guy called uh felix sater if you, mm-hmm. you come across felix sater you in, in just you know your perusal of the trump scandal media right sater sounds familiar real estate but that's really all i know about him there's so many names that come out of the whole Trump stuff. He, yeah. You know, it's hard to keep track of them, but he's one of them. Um, Felix Sater was born uh, in Russia. He, his birth name was Felix Mikhailovich Shefirovsky, um, but his, he changed his what, name to. What's his Aussie nickname? Sado. Uh, uh, Sado. Okay. <laughs> so, just Sado when he comes here. Hey, thank you, Sado. Yo, bugger, how are you, mate? Sada, he changed his name. He moved to the United States with his family when he was seven um, and changed his name at some point to Sada. Oh, he was a dreamer. No, I'm just joking. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, Now, he became a stockbroker, went to jail for stabbing another stockbroker in the face with the broken martini glass. Typical. As you do. Just, you know, childhood fun and games, you know, as you... uh, Who hasn't stabbed somebody in the face with a martini glass at one point or another? Yeah. Um, he, I think he did a year in jail for that. He got out, ended up, he, he was banned from being uh, a share trader yeah. after that. Went went into real estate and, and became Trump's partner in a company called Bayrock okay. in the um, early 2000s. Oh, before that, uh, sorry, he, 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 was, he pleaded guilty. In 1998, for his role in a $40 million pump and dump penny stock fraud operation. Oh, my God. That was linked to a mafia-linked brokerage firm. Now, he uh, avoided prison for that by becoming a government informer. Mm. According to former U.S. Attorney General Loretta Lynch... Uh, she who had uh, private meetings on a tarmac with Bill Clinton during the uh, 2016 election where they spoke mm-hmm. of just, just social niceties. Uh, n- nothing to do with right. her passing on information about the Clinton Foundation investigation, I'm sure. Um, she said during her confirma- Senate confirmation hearings that uh, Sater provided information crucial to national security and the conviction of over 20 individuals, including those responsible for committing massive financial fraud fraud and members of La Cosa Nostra. Wow. Now, now you might think that um, that would be a dangerous thing to do mm-hmm. and not go into witness protection. Yeah. He not only didn't go into witness protection, he went into business with Donald Trump afterwards. <laughs> um, I think the suggestion is, is because he is connected to the Russian mob. Allegedly. Right. Allegedly. Allegedly. What is not allegedly? I have no... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, after you. What is not allegedly is that if you mess with him, he will stab me in the face with broken bottle. Please. please. <laughs> that was a one-off thing. Childhood, nope. childhood prank. Sorry. As, Sorry. as an adult. Yeah. Now, um, he went into real estate, as I said after that, went into business with Donald Trump and then a company called Bayrock 
in the early 2000s, began working uh, in Trump Tower. Um, now, what's that got to do with the boss of bosses? Well, uh, nothing except that uh, Seder's father, Mr. Shefarovsky, uh-huh. as we refer to him, uh, was actually a capo for Megalevich, for Mogo. He was one of his captains. Right. Uh, so there's a there's a connection there. Uh, yeah. His dad worked for the boss of bosses, and then this guy were, ended up at a mafia-linked brokerage firm and, um, and, and ended up working for Trump. Um, now, another connection here between um, Mogo and uh, Mr. Trump is a guy by the name of Michael Cohen. I don't know if you've heard that name, but uh, <laughs> he, he's been in the press a lot recently. You, was you Donald mean, Trump's uh, Michael the Fifth Cohen? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Michael, just one of many, many lawyers that I have, uh, Cohen, according to Donald right. Trump. Uh, Donald Trump. Re- oh, did you see his meltdown on Fox and Friends I last week? I caught enough of it. Where he admitted, oh. yeah, I caught enough of it. Oh my god, it was just even, classic. But um, yeah, even the Fox mm. people were trying to get his ass off the phone, and he would not shut up. Mm. When Fox tells you to yeah. shut up, it's time to shut up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not a lawyer, President Trump, but <laughs> I think you should sh- shut the fuck up right now. <laughs> Uh, then, Trump a- a- admitted for the first time on that show that uh, he was aware that Michael Cohen uh, did this thing with Stormy right. Daniels. He said he took took care of the Stormy Daniels business for me. Just put it out uh, there. <laughs> which he did uh, uh, decline to have any knowledge of uh, before now. Right. Um, anyway, getting back to Michael Cohen, Michael Cohen's childhood friends uh-huh. with Felix Shefarovsky, a.k.a. Felix Sater, um, they they grew up in Brooklyn together. Wow. Um, now, not only that, but Michael Cohen's uncle, Morton Levine, right. ran a social club in Brooklyn nice. called El, El Caribe. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what that means. My uh, my Spanish is uh, not very good. Do you know what Caribe means? Oh, no, not no. I don't. Uh, I think it's uh, a piranha fish. That's <laughs> sure. Let's go with the piranha. The piranha. Now, I don't know about you, Ray, but if I was going to have a social club, yeah, I'd I'd call it the piranha fish. Uh, <laughs> a touch of class. That's, that's yeah. That sounds like a fun a fun social club. Let's go to, to the piranha to, club. To visit. Yay! Let's go to the piranha. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, El Caribe, uh, according to some sources, was the headquarters of uh, Russian organized crime in the United States. Wow. Maybe they just like this, their buffet. The, this came out of some uh, 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 hearings that have been held mm. recently. Um, I think this is—is is it scandal? Is it allegedly? I don't know. But I, I, my sources tend to indicate that this has been somewhat verified. Mm. Uh, previously, it had been reported that Russian mobsters used to like, used to hang out at El Caribe. Yeah. Now it turns out it was uh, allegedly the headquarters of uh, Russian organized crime in the United States. Now, uh, when Michael Cohen, Mickey Cohen, wasn't that a gangster, Mickey Cohen? It was, actually. Somebody, yeah. Mickey Cohen, Cohen, I think, was a gangster in the 50s. Um, When uh, his uncle Morton died, uh, Uncle Morty uh, left 
shares in it to all of his uh, nephews and nieces, including Michael Cohen. So Michael Cohen owned a stake in <laughs> the club that was the headquarters of Russian organized crime. Oh, my God. Uh, apparently, up until Donald Trump was elected president and he gave up his stake at that point in time. Nice. Now, uh, Seder also reportedly boasted to Cohen at one point about his connections to uh, Vladimir Putin, claiming they could engineer the election for Trump. Cohen has since said that Seder was just talking through his ass. But um, so there we have. So Seder's father was a capo for <laughs> Mogilevich, allegedly. Allegedly. Um, <laughs> According to US government sources, so let me say that. Uh, and Michael Cohen uh, grew up with him, and Michael Cohen's uncle ran the club for the uh, Russian organized crime in the US. Now, um, there are other connections here uh, between Mogilevich and Putin. Now, apparently, according to several Ukrainian prime ministers and, and intelligence operatives, um, and uh, Alexander Litvinenko, mm-hmm. Putin has had a relationship with Mogo going back to the early 90s when Putin uh, was the deputy mayor of St. Petersburg. Mm. Uh, I don't know if you know much about Big Vlad's career path. I know you and I talked at one point about doing a biography of uh, yeah. Vladimir Putin on this show. Um, but the... the you know, he, he was in the KGB, mm-hmm. uh, spent a lot of time in Germany. At the end of the Soviet Union, he, went, he uh, ended up back in uh, Russia, ended up as the deputy mayor, we ended up working for the guy who was the mayor of uh, St. Petersburg. I think, I think this guy was an old professor of his from college. Mm-hmm. Uh, ended up working for him as a bit of an international relations expert slash fixer. Uh, ended up getting made deputy mayor of St. Petersburg. Um, his friend, the mayor, lost the election, ended up getting charged or, 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 or uh, accused of, of crimes, uh, left the country uh, after Putin then got close to Boris Yeltsin in right. a number of roles. and Ended up running the uh, FSB, the... Uh, successor to the KGB, um, ended up getting close to uh, um, Boris Yeltsin and uh, ended up becoming president uh, or prime minister, I think, first, and president of Russia, mm-hmm. and, and, and and enabled his uh, former boss, uh, the mayor of St. Petersburg, to come back to the country, uh, made, the, made their charges go away, oh. guy came back. Um, and then he got assassinated. So uh, that was not exactly the happy ending I know you're expecting. That's a trap. So around about, around about this time, just before that, when Putin ran the FSB, um, guy who was sort of in charge of the organized crime unit of the FSB was this guy called Alexander Litvinenko. Mm-hmm. Now, um, in the late 90s, Litvinenko and a number of other FSB agents gave a press conference, uh, of which there is video, right? Um, where he claimed, they claimed, that they were ordered to kill a number of prominent Russians by their bosses in the FSB, including one of the aforementioned Russian business oligarchs, Boris Berezovsky, who uh, I think he owned one of the big banks, Berezovsky was uh, a 
former friend of Putin's and, and then turned against Putin when Putin was running for president. Mm-hmm. Um, became a big critic of Putin's. Um, they were ordered to whack him. Instead of killing him, they warned Beresovsky, gave this press conference saying that the FSB was in league with the mob, and then they all fled to London. <laughs> Litvinenko and Beresovsky uh, fled to London. I think Litvinenko actually tried to get to the US first, and the US wouldn't give him a a, a, a visa or, right. or you know, he applied for asylum, and they rejected it. He ended up um, landing at Heathrow and requesting asylum, and finally getting it, he, where he was famously poisoned with polonium a few right. years later and died a very slow and painful death um, after being a massive critic of Putin um, in those years. He um, Claimed on a tape made a year before his death. Again, there's recordings of this, and he's speaking in broken English. That um, Putin and Mogo were had a good relationship going back to the early '90s, mm. when uh, Putin was supposedly, allegedly, known as the man in Saint Petersburg who could get you done. Um, yeah. And and you know this is kind of when Mogo's career was really kicking off in a big way. Um, you know, the Soviet Union just collapsed. People were still trying to get hold of assets and uh, figure out who to bribe, who to kill in order to get their hands on the assets of the country. Mogo, by the way, m- among many other things, prostitutes, drugs, guns, all the usual stuff, apparently uh, through a bunch of fronts, allegedly has uh, a lot of interests in uh, gas, gas and oil um, right. in in Russia and the Ukraine. Um, Beresovsky also fled to London, where a few years later he was found hanging in his apartment. Um, Not hanging curtains, (laughs) just hanging. He was the curtains. All right. Yeah, he was the curtains. Now, there's some other names that uh, are interesting connections here. There's a guy called um, Ivankov, uh, Vyacheslav Ivankov, he was a, allegedly a mobster who was uh, Mogo's lieutenant. One of his capos was sent to America right. to set up operations. FBI knew this guy was a mobster. By the way, I, I should mention that Mogo was on the FBI's 10 most wanted list for quite a long time. Yeah. Um, but he was taken off uh, a few years ago uh, in the Obama era. Not, not even in the Trump era. In the Obama era, he was taken off the 10 most wanted list. Um, apparently it was because he's being protected in Russia and they don't have an extradition uh, right. arrangement with Russia. So they were like, like well, we the- can't get him, yeah. so we'll just take him off the list. Anyway, Vankov was sent to America. American, the FBI knew he was there. They were looking for him, uh, wanted to track him down, haul him in for questioning. Um, couldn't find him. Looked, mm. looked and looked and looked and looked and looked and looked and couldn't find, find him. him huh? Couldn't find him until they tracked him down. You, you, you take a guess where he was living when they tracked down his uh, his location, right? On the set of that former TV show, Jersey Shore. <laughs> he did have a part-time job as a hand model okay. on Jersey Shore. That's that's right. Yeah, yeah. Just when they had, they had to have close-ups of right. somebody slapping Oh, that someone. was his job. Okay. It was he had beautiful nails. Really Aww. took good care of his He's nails. He's a hand model. You know, right. yeah, surprising for a mobster, but he always wore gloves when he strangled people, uh, allegedly. <laughs> so, so his hands were in good condition. No, they tracked him down 
living in Trump Tower, uh, surprisingly. Um, But then he disappeared again. Before they could grab him, when they turned up, he was gone. Um, he, he, they found his apartment, I think, but right. uh, couldn't find him. Went through his went through his shit. Found his gloves that he wore and that sort of <laughs> thing to protect him. Found his hand cream, right. hand cream, right. his nail nail uh, hardener, um, fa- nail file set. It was, it was beautiful, top class. They said right. top class. It was the best. I only have the best, the best. <laughs> um, and then they tracked him down again. Uh huh. At uh, Trump's Taj Mahal Casino. Oh, my God. Where uh, he was eventually caught by the FBI's organized crime unit. Um, he went went to prison in the United States for nine years. Right. Um, was sent back, got out, was sent back to Russia. Oh, good. Uh, where he was assassinated. Okay. So, okay. Don't go back to Russia. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, just my... Make a note of that in your life goals. Um, now, there's some other... The other uh, interesting name that ties in with all of this is a guy called Robert Levinson. Mm-hmm. You ever heard of him? Bob Levinson. I've heard the name, but again, just somewhere in the news in the back of my head. Bob Levinson was an FBI agent for 30 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, again... Big in terms of investigating organized crime. Right. Uh, was known to be investigating uh, Mogo uh, mm. in the 90s and early 2000s. Retired from the FBI, went into private practice um, doing, you know, various sort of investigations and all of that kind of stuff. Right. And then in March of 2007... He was supposedly visiting the island of Kish off the coast of Iran mm-hmm. when he disappeared. Oh shit! Um, didn't no one heard? No one knew what happened. There was no like ransom videos or anything like that. I think like till f- f- five years later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> His family released a video of him in an orange jumpsuit with long beard and long hair. Um, with a proof of life card in front of him, right. that kind of stuff, um, uh, and I think that was the last he was heard of. They don't know if he's dead or alive. They don't know right. who's got him. You know, various American administrations have had conversations with Iranian, the Iranian government, about him. Mm-hmm. You know, from time to time, the Iranian government grabs American citizens that are on Iranian right. territory and say, "Oh, you're a spy, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. They usually make a big hullabaloo about it, mm-hmm. um, and and they're probably true, probably right most of the time. I'm sure America does have spies going in there on a regular basis. Um, and you know, they, they often get exchanged in some sort of prisoner exchange or for sanction relief, they release prisons, that kind of stuff. Um, successive American administrations have had conversations with successive Iranian administrations about the whereabouts of Bob Levinson. And to the best of my knowledge, the Iranian administration have gone, don't know, man, we really don't know who's got him, where he is, don't know. Somebody's got him, not us. We, we don't know anything about it. Um, now, one of the suggestions, uh, the reason I bring this up is there has been a suggestion that Mogo's guys have got him. 
Mm-hmm. But uh, Mogo's lawyer, one of Mogo's lawyers, was interviewed a couple of years ago, and, and journalist asked him about this, and he said, "Listen." You know, Mogo's got all this pressure uh, from the United States. If we knew the where, if we knew who had Levinson, mm-hmm. we would be doing our best to use that as leverage to get the United States to take the heat off of Mogo. Right. Um, but we don't. We got no idea, man. No idea where he is, um, even if he's still alive. Um, so no, no connection to Trump here. But I just thought that was interesting. This guy disappeared after searching for Mogo for all these years, that or, re- or, or tracing his story in his criminal enterprises, alleged criminal. Alleged. Sp- speaking of uh, all these alleged, um, a producer's note: um, if Cam disappears in the next week, couple of weeks, uh, I will be holding um, tryouts, interviews for his replacement. But that's only after I get back from the beach. All right. So thank you for your time. <laughs> uh. Now, well, I look. I, what I find fascinating about all of this, and again, so getting back to where I started, um, without let's never jump to conclusions. Let's, you know, look at the evidence, look at the stories, take our time, wait to see what gets uh, proven. Uh, you know, to to a high degree, anyway. Um, versus scandal and propaganda and rumor, all those sorts of stuff. All of the things that I've mentioned here are fairly well established. I mean, the connections with Sater's father and Mogo. Mogo was arrested in Moscow for tax evasion um, mm. a number of years ago, I think late 2000s, maybe 10 years ago. Um, funny story, though, uh, he was arrested by mistake. Um, there was a business yeah. that he was involved in that that was they were thought was uh, uh, guilty of tax evasion, but he was uh, his ownership of that was under an alias, and some Russian police uh, arrested him, oh, and then found out who he really was. We're so went, sorry. Oh sh- yeah. shit! We're so sorry. Um, and he was released, and the charges were dropped. Um, yeah. So the, 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 the rumor is, and I'm not saying we should believe this, but it's an interesting story, um, is that it's Mogilevich who controls Putin. In fact, I saw a video of the of election night in Russia mm-hmm. in 2000, I think it was, when Putin became president. Um, like one of these behind-the-scenes videos of, of Putin's campaign headquarters right. with him watching the results on the TV. And there uh, is allegedly uh, a shot of uh, Mogo in the room with Putin and uh, Putin's guys. Wow. Um, now, it, it, it's, it, it's not great footage, to be honest. He turns, there's this fat guy who looks a bit like Mogo, turns and looks in the camera, looks away. Could be him, might not be him. Sure. I, I can't, I mean, it wasn't a full frontal, so it's really hard to say. Um, so, uh, but the suggestion is anyway that Mogo sort of uh, uh, at least works with Putin, if not controls Putin, mm-hmm. going what got Putin elected president basically, used his connections to get Putin made the head of the FSB. Because again, there's a big theory that the FSB uh, and the Russian mob are uh, one and the same, highly connected. Right. Um, a lot of the oligarchs who ended up running Russia are connected with both the FSB and the mob. Um, and they had connections with Boris Yeltsin as well. Um, so that this guy basically got Putin elevated from deputy mayor of St. Petersburg wow. uh, w- within 
five or six years to being president of Russia, and that they also now control Donald Trump. So the same guy, the one guy, if these rumours are true, controls the president of Russia and the president of the United States. Now, speaking as somebody who does a Cold War podcast, Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) I think that's that's the best way for the Cold War to uh, end, (laughs) is you have... A mob boss runs both who countries. runs both both countries. Yeah, there's there's your final yeah, curtain yeah. scene right there. Whom? If I can go back to yeah. something you were saying a minute ago, so basically Donald Trump, and to some degree maybe his father and uh, Trump's lawyer Michael Cohen have indirect, maybe not professional, but uh, but certainly personal ties to certain members of either the Russian mafia. Or people that are connected to the Russian mafia. Yeah, there was a there's a guy um, called uh, Brad uh, Raxon, I think, who was again supposedly connected to Mogilevich, and there's photos of him with Fred Trump. He and Fred Trump had some business interests at one stage. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the suggestion uh, in these rumors is that based on all of the uh, deg- one degree uh, or two degree of separations between Trump and a lot of these guys, Michael Cohen, Felix Sater, etc., and and his father and this Brad guy, is that the m- Russian mob, through probably a series of fronts, have been... Uh, using the Trump organization mm-hmm. going way back right. uh, to launder, launder money in the United States. Do me a, um, yeah. And of course, you know, sorry, the other connection, some not connected with uh, the, the Russian mob, though, is uh, Roy Cohen, who was uh, famously Trump's attorney for a long time, Donald Trump's attorney. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked about him in our Cobble Show and his connection with the McCarthy hearings um you know he was not only represented trump and um rupert murdoch and uh worked with roger stone on ronald reagan's presidential presidential campaign um he was supposedly also a mob lawyer connected to the mob um he uh represented uh carmine galanti uh, Tony Salerno and uh, John Gotti, uh, among others. Um, speaking of John Gotti, mm-hmm. uh, do you know how John Gotti finally got taken down? The Teflon Don, as he was known, because nothing would stick right. to him. No, I, I, Gambino crime boss. I know someone turned on him, but that's all I know. Mm. The guy who turned on him was Sammy the Bull Gravano. <laughs> Sorry. And I read many, many years ago, I read Sammy the Bull Gravano's uh, autobiography. Right. Uh, which was a great which was a great story, oh, man. Uh, you know, just uh, autobiography or biography, I can't remember one of the two. No, autobiography, underboss. Yeah, he co wrote it with Peter Maas. Mm-hmm. Um go I mean maybe ghost written. Peter Maas. The guy who wrote uh, the book about Frank Serpico, mm. the New York police officer who was uh, testified against police corruption and Al Pacino, uh, 
yeah. made the movie about him. He also wrote the Valachi papers. He, he used to write about a lot of mob stuff. Um, so anyway, yeah. Um, uh, 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 Sammy the Book of Runner, yeah, he was turned um, and, and testified against John God. He said, yeah, you know, I killed a bunch of guys. John gave the order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of guys, a lot of guys. Killed a lot of guys. Uh, tremendous, a tremendous amount of guys I killed. <laughs> tremendous amount. It was beautiful. It was tremendous. A lot of people tell me it was beautiful. I, I you know, I can't say, but, um, do you know who the, uh, the, 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 uh, assistant attorney general in the uh, criminal division of the Department of Justice was who turned Sammy the Bull Gravano? No, who? Uh, a young fellow by the name of Robert Mueller. Oh, God. <laughs> They're all connected. Oh, my God. So this guy's been busting balls. Robert Mueller's been busting balls for a long time. A long time. Wow. All right, that's that story. Let's move on. Uh, do you know what an incel is, Ray? Um, I didn't until this week. And, and, and I'm going to be honest with you. When I heard about the, um, the people being run over in Canada, I've just been so sick of the stories. I just assumed it was terrorism, turned off the news, and never went back to it. And so I went back to that. It was, I don't even know what to think anymore, but please go ahead. Tell us what an incel is. Yeah. So I'd never heard of this term until I was reading about the Toronto news. So I'm sure everyone has heard of it, but um, a young, a young man um, drove a van onto a Toronto sidewalk last week, killed uh, 10 people, injured 15. Last I heard, not sure if more of, did you say last week? Wasn't it longer? Since. I, I can't remember when it happened exactly. Sorry. No, the, no, it was last week. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, so before he did that, though, he wrote a post on Facebook um, where he talked about something called the Incel Rebellion, I-N-C-E-L, mm-hmm. which was new to me. I was like, oh, I, I like a good rebellion. What's this? Let's join, uh, Let's join it. <laughs> I don't think they'd let us in, Ray. No, um, we're alpha no, males. because we get our dicks wet on a regular basis. Not just by each other right. either, um, which they wouldn't care. There's other people. Now, in, incel is shorthand for involuntary celibates. Mm-hmm. And apparently there's a big community of people who identify as incels. Um, they're basically guys that can't get laid. Right. Um, they feel like women won't sleep with them. So, you know, they thought maybe if I kill a bunch of people in my van, I'll be more attractive to the opposite sex. No, I don't think that's where they're going with that. I mean, they're angry. They're yeah, angry over the fact angry. that yeah. they can't they can't get laid. Now, they hate the Chads and the Stacys. <laughs> Chads. Right. Chads are guys who can get laid. Ah. And Stacys are girls who sleep with Chads. Was my understanding of it? Shouldn't incels just be playing Dungeon and Dragons in their mom's basement for like hours on, at a time? Well, I think you know. I think that's probably uh, a harsh judgment of incels, Ray. Okay. I mean, I think yeah, they, you know, it's no, sorry. it's no need to disparage Dungeons and Dragons shame people. Um, sorry, a lot of a lot of emotionally sophisticated, well-rounded, and balanced people play Dungeons and Dragons in their mother's basement. Okay, um, I apologize. Then. 
Now, apparently this term incel uh, goes back to uh, another mass killing in the United States. Um, in uh, May of 2014, a place called Isla Vista in California, a 22-year-old guy called Elliot Roger killed six people and injured 14 others. It was only four years ago, but who can remember? Yeah. That was that was like probably 3,000 mass shootings ago exactly. in America, so we've all forgotten. Literally. Uh, before he killed himself in his vehicle, um, it happened at the University of California, Santa Barbara. Now, um, before he drove to the sorority house where he killed all these people, he uh, uploaded a video to YouTube entitled Elliot Rogers Retribution, where he talked about what he was going to do and his motives. He said he wanted to punish women for rejecting him. Right. That he envied sexually active men and wanted to punish them for being sexually active. I wonder what he was doing to always end up in the friend zone. He can never close the deal. He probably Yeah, well, you know. He pro- I mean, I think yeah. I'm sorry, he should he should have taken Tom Cruise's uh course on, you know, respect the cock, but that's just my take on it. Yeah. Funny how that came up when I was talking to Chrissy about this too. Tom Cruise thing. Yeah. Um so, uh, actually, no, that came up when I was talking about another story that I've got my list God. of stories today. <laughs> um, Tom Cruise and Magnolia, yeah, that always comes up. Yeah. Respect the cock. And tame the cunt. Take it on head first with the skills that I will teach you at work and say, no, no. you will not control me. No. no, you will not take my soul. No, no. you will not win this game. Because yeah. it is a game, guys. You want to think it's not, huh? You want to think it's not, you go back to the schoolyard and you have that crush on big-titted Mary Jane. <laughs> Respect. The cock. The funny thing, of course, about that is you know that really is Tom Cruise just being himself. He just uh, he didn't. That, <laughs> the only time he never acted. That wasn't even a script. They just, uh, <laughs> they just said go action. They, no, they didn't even do. It. They just left the camera running when he was just you know talking to some friends and they were. That's what I. Fuck, that's what I do in between takes. We're gonna put that in the film, man. That's gold. Um, <clears throat> no. mm. No, just I just wanted to make the point. I mean, but like you said before, before the um, before this happened and before this report and this information came out, I'd never heard of this before. Not not that I would. I mean, I don't go looking for this kind of stuff. But I mean, not everybody could be you, be a six two or whatever Australian or whatever with a cool accent. But I mean, yeah, there are times in your teenage years when you're just not getting any. You're uh, you're you're too shy or whatever. But the point is. The idea that it's to go from I'm I'm really 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 would like to get laid to anger to blaming other people to projecting on to other to to the women and to the guys who are getting it and then suddenly want to kill like obviously like you were you were making the joke earlier that's not going to help your situation get laid except for maybe in prison so, but they've truly gone off the deep and they snapped or they they have no ability to sympathize or whatever but. 
I just, as a teenager, it never got that bad for me. I just wonder what's different nowadays. Well, he wasn't a teenager. Elliot was 22. and 22, right. Well, you know, late teens or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Still a virgin when he went on his killing spree. Um, the guy in Canada, Alec Minasian. Minasian, mm-hmm. let's go with that. Alec Minasian. Uh, he's 25. Um, right. not sure if he's a virgin or not, but, uh, you know, define himself as an insult. I mean, I, I mean, obviously these guys have got mental health issues and, right. uh, that's probably got something to do with, uh, their inability to get a girlfriend, but, um, you know, it, 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 people are looking for a philosophy. People are looking mm-hmm. for a, a community, a tribe. Everyone wants to be part of a tribe. Your tribe might be a church community. Your tribe might be, I'm a Democrat. Your tribe might be, uh, I'm a podcaster. I went, I I, I was uh, the guest speaker at a podcaster meetup here in Brisbane last week. And I said, hey, this is my tribe. You know, I feel at home here. Um, Yeah. uh, 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 So we all want to belong somewhere. For, for, For a couple of hundred thousand years, humans belong to tribes. We sat around with our tribe around the fireplace every night. We, we learned to be a, a man or a woman when we were part of a tribe. Uh, we, we were taught the skills of survival or of, of having and raising children and what berries mm-hmm. to eat. And, we, you know, we survived because of the tribe, um, as part of the tribe. We identified with the tribe. And that was hard-coded uh, into our brains. If you were the kind of person who was like, like I am now, fuck tribe. I don't want no tribe. or the, the, What I call the Groucho Marx philosophy. I don't want to be a member of any tribe that would have me as a member. Um, <laughs> then if you were like that in, in, in primitive cultures, you probably didn't survive right. very long in the tribe. Yeah. If you weren't a good member of the tribe, doing your share of the work, watching everyone's back, you know, laughing at their jokes, um, <clears throat> looking after their kids, etc. You probably got killed or kicked out, and and you right. didn't get to pass that um, lone wolf uh, right. <laughs> gene onto yeah. another generation. The people who survived and prospered in tribal communities were the people that were good members of the community. So over the hundreds of thousands of years, that got hard coded into most of us, and. Um, so I think everyone wants to belong to a tribe, and, and these guys are looking for a tribe to belong to. Now, their tribe, unfortunately, that a lot of them, I heard that there was a subreddit that had 40,000, an incel subreddit that had 40,000 members until wow. Reddit uh, shut it down recently. Um, I think there's another one in 4chan and all those sorts of uh, dark and dirty places on the web. Um, mm-hmm. There are men who... Uh, you know, are trying to, to to form communal bonds with people they can relate to, and yeah. for some reason, rather than just being sad and lonely um, and getting a flashlight and 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 you know <coughs> watching porn, uh, thanks for the gift, by the way. Actually, that that wasn't a flashlight. That was just a. a, a uh, artisan coffee mug, Ray. It's um, <laughs> a flashlight now. <laughs> I 
send it to one of our listeners. Whoever writes the best review gets Ray's <laughs> artisan coffee. Slightly mug. used artisan co- <laughs> coffee. Mug. Uh, they're turning to, to um, murderous rampages. Um, yeah. So look, okay, uh, we can we can make fun of these guys or, or not. The question is, how does this happen? In my mind, how do we end up yeah. with these guys that a um, are so broken that they feel the need to go and kill people just for having sex? Yeah, um, they're so jealous and infuriated and frustrated. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of, um, and I assume these are mostly white guys. Uh, Probably. Well, these two, I know Elliot Rogers, uh, uh, at least he was uh, half white, I think. Um, Manassian, he looks white from his photos. Mm. Um, right. <clears throat> why? And, and, you know, Manassian's a reasonably looking, a reasonably good looking dude. Like, uh, uh, Yeah, that's the first thing I thought he, when I saw the picture. He doesn't look like, Elephant man. I mean, he looks like he could, he could get laid. Um, yeah. There's something that's breaking these guys, and um, I don't know what it is. I don't have a theory. Um, do you? Do you know why? Why? Why are white men, particularly in North America, it seems, uh, yeah. so broken? I, I the the best and like you said we didn't know about this until recently so it's hard to form a theory. The best I can do is, um, the idea of not winning all the time. I mean, if you're a white male in North America, you, you pretty much expect to win all the time, and then these guys have got to go years and years and years of not scoring, not being able to do what everybody else is doing. I don't know, maybe it's, again, but like you said, they're probably mentally defective, and there's something going on, but. It's probably in part and parcel of uh, expectations, frustrated expectations. Mm. Well, Manassian allegedly, uh, when he drove his truck into this thing, uh, into this group of people, um, survived, um, right. was arrested uninjured. Uh, did you see this where he was trying to get the cop to shoot him? Yes. Yeah. For people who haven't heard the story, um, he uh, uh, got out of his van, um, and and there was he, he tried to get a cop who was on the scene to, to shoot him, um, and kept making out that he was going to pull a gun that he didn't have um, out of his pants, and the uh, Toronto cop just stayed calm. Stayed calm. <laughs> yeah. Stood there, Jesus. slowly approached him, and uh, put him on the ground. Um. Yeah, there's a cop. You know, cop, in America, he would have been shot seventy-two times. Cops. I mean, in the United States, cop's name was Ken Lamb. He was a uh, traffic control cop, single single police officer there managing the traffic. Um, stopped the van or stopped his cruiser near the van. Um, got got the guy out of the car and um. Yeah, put him on, put him on the ground. Um, so fucking what a legend this Ken Ken Ham yeah. is Ken Ken Lamb, not Ken Ham. Ken Ham's the Australian uh, guy who <laughs> set up the uh, the Jesus Park in the United States. Uh, Ken Lamb, right. um, yeah. So get on you. Yeah, yeah. Good cop. Good cop. It's good. Good to hear a story of yeah. a good cop. Uh, I mean. 
might, a lot of people might say uh, he should have shot him, but I don't think so. I think we need to study these guys and figure out what's going wrong uh, with them. Absolutely, they need psychiatrists, psychologists to figure it out because there's a lot of them out there, and we need to we need to figure out how we try and prevent more of these things happening. All right, running out of time. Right. Uh, let's do one more story before we go. Um, mm -hmm. I got a lot of depressing stories here, Ray. Do you do you want to pick one? Uh, let me see. We got the, the God. They are all so. All right. Well, if we, we can we can either go violence or we can go sex. Let's go sex. Which way would you like to go? Yeah, let's go sex. All right. Because I mentioned I played the Tom Cruise thing, and this is the story that I was thinking of. Yeah. Well, let me just start this off. I, I <laughs> as a podcaster, I have done ads where if you could pay some money, I can have flowers delivered to your door. You can have a shaving set sent to your door. You can have food sent to your door ready to cook. You can have superior underwear, T-shirts, and socks sent to your door. You can have anything sent to your door. So this story should not have surprised me, but it did. Oh, my God, we are outsourcing everything in our lives. It's a little bit black mirror-y, uh, this story. Um, yeah. Now, I read about this the other day. There's a company, and I'm, I'm, I think there's a lot of companies like this, but there's one company in particular called VIDA, V-I-D-A, stands for Virtual Dating Assistance. And right. um, a lady called Chloe Rose Stewart Ulan wrote the story for Quartz recently. She talked about her time working for VIDA as what is known as a closer. Now, mm -hmm. apparently what this what the business model uh, for this company is, is that people that are on Tinder and don't have the time or the inclination to personally go through Tinder and flirt with people to try and get dates, you can outsource that act of flirting and getting dates to Vida. Now, Chloe, a woman... Uh, would log on every morning to Tinder um, and pretend to be her clients. Um, mm -hmm. Quite often, she says, middle-aged men. Uh, she would log yeah. on and flirt with the women in their Tinder queue, uh, sending photos and, and trying to get phone numbers from these women for the guys right. to, to make a date. Um, and for every phone number she collected, she got paid a dollar seventy-five. Damn! So you basically these people are outsourcing flirting. Um, I think we figured out why they can't get dates. Well, the <laughs> to connect it to this other thing, uh, maybe that's what these uh, incels need to do is is just hire people to get dates for they them. Need to, exactly. Now, or go to a prostitute. No, the, the the theory, the guy who started this company, a guy called uh, Scott Valdez, says he came up with the idea that he was a, he was in sales, he was very busy, didn't have time to to uh, uh, find his own dates. Because he was too busy. Not that he couldn't do it, just that yeah, uh, didn't want to. He, he'd rather be. I couldn't be bothered. It was making. Couldn't be bothered. It was making money, Ray. Right. He doesn't have time to to to, to get to, to talk to women. He had to make Pick money. Priorities. He's an alpha male, okay. right? Like Tom Cruise. He's an alpha nope. male, right? <laughs> um, and he's written a couple of books on dating with wonderful titles like "Women on Demand" and "The Automatic Date <laughs> Transition." Which I'm pretty sure are books that that Tom Cruise character wrote in uh, Magnolia. Um, 
So anyway, people are outsourcing managing their Tinder profiles. Now, what I love is the coming to the conclusion, of course, that it's okay. So this woman, Chloe, was was pretending to be the man. On the other right. side, the people she was flirting with had also outsourced their Tinder <laughs> management. So you've got women on both sides uh, pretending to be these people. So uh, uh, flirting, in, flirting intermediaries, flirting with other flirting intermediaries, right? Um, using all of these scripted lines and approaches and, and tactics um, in order to organize a fake date between two people. And I just read a book about this uh, sort of, I just read a book called After On. I may have mentioned it somewhere before. Written by a guy called Rob Reed. He's an old Silicon Valley entrepreneur, had a tech startup in the very early days. Wrote one of the classic books about um, Silicon Valley in the 90s, which I read at the time, 20 years ago. He's written a science fiction book came out recently and and one of the subplots don't want to give away too much in case people haven't read it is that um, a a facebook type company builds an ai Mm -hmm. and because it knows everything about everybody it becomes uh, like a flirting tool for you because it understands your likes and dislikes and yeah it basically becomes a pimp uh for people so this is similar to that, but and I'm pretty sure there's a rom-com. I'm going to write a rom-com based on this where one closer organizes a date with another closer on behalf of their respective <coughs> clients, and then the clients don't even want to turn up. They look, just just, right. just go along and do the first date for me. I don't have time for a first date. I'll, I'll, I'll turn up for the third date when I'm likely to get some action. Just go and represent me at the first date and then of course the two closers meet and fall in love and live happily ever after that will be my rom-com actually that's the next um meg ryan uh what's his name uh movie script yeah you tom tom, tom Hanks. Hanks. you seen yeah. you seen meg ryan recently meg, meg ryan's not making no. any rom-coms in the future i'm actually i wanted to add on not only do I want to outsource the third day, but you go ahead and start with the sex. But right before you're finished, that's when I'll step in. I just really <laughs> want to narrow my time down to the actual orgasm. I mean, it's. I get that 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 society we we're just living at a breakneck pace, and we've got all the wrong priorities, and there's so much we w- want to do, need to do, have to do. But oh my God, this just seems to be one of those little mile markers on the side of the road that we're really heading in the wrong direction fast. But that's just my take on it. Yeah, well, I think it's fascinating, man. Um, the things that people are willing to outsource. Now, I was talking to Chrissy about this. Um, I've never been um, on an online dating service, um, uh, and I can't imagine myself ever doing it. Like, if Chrissy and I broke up, um, right. I'm pretty sure I'm not going to end up on an online dating service. I just... Uh and not that I'm not judging it. I can't see. It. There's nothing wrong with yeah. it. I think it's fantastic well, for people who old do it. School. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. not even that. I just I just can't imagine. I don't know. Just the the idea of creating an account does that make you just kind of involuntarily shiver? Just <laughs> heebie-jeebies. Yeah. It does for me. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Not not judging. No, like absolutely not judging. No, I think it's seriously. great for people. And I've got good friends of mine who have met and fallen in love. I read in this article that one third of Americans mm-hmm. who get married today meet via an online dating service. 
So it's working for people. I think it's a to, some people. Yeah, it's a wonderful thing. Yeah. Um, just couldn't couldn't bring myself to do it. No, I'd rather just be single yeah. with your flashlight. Um, I was gonna say, and- <laughs> you, you and I are probably gonna end up together, and that <laughs> is the greatest love story ever told. <laughs> and with that. I think that's the show, Bullshit Field of the News okay. for the 30th of April. We had so many stories we didn't get to. Um, yeah. We didn't get to talk. We will. We, yeah. we didn't get to talk about uh, Peter Madsen, the Danish inventor convicted of killing the journalist Kim Wall in his submarine. Um, oh. But my favourite bit about that was his defence lawyer, <laughs> Miss Engmark, and you got to feel sorry for Miss Engmark. Yeah. Um, during the trial, she had to play this line. She had to say, look, Yes, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I'll admit that my client, Mr. Madsen, admits that he chopped her body up and threw it into the sea and then deliberately sunk his own submarine and lied to the police about that. I'll admit he did all of that, but however, that's still not proof that he killed her. (laughs) And that's technically true but i guess i think someone saw through his cunning plan and they charged him anyway or found him guilty anyway it's got to be sucked to be a defense lawyer in those situations (laughs) right and to to have to say that to a jury with a straight face look it was an accident and he just thought well i'm here now um you know i mean i'm the bottom of the ocean in a submarine what am i gonna do i'm gonna have to i can't just leave the body sit there while i go all the way back to shore I better just chop it up and throw it in the ocean now. And then I could clean up the submarine that I've spent 10 years and millions of dollars (laughs) making. Or, look, really, I'm not not a big cleaner. I think I'll just put a hole in it and sink it. Um, I can always buy it. It's just just a thing. You know, I don't value things. I can make another one. It's about friendships that matters to me. Now, I... I did read in the article that he wanted to build a spaceship and was turned down and maybe he was frustrated. Um, and so wanted to Dexter somebody to try and get his, and I, I don't know, but the point is, and, and I do want to make a request next week. I do want to do the mayor, mayor Hillman story because global warming's not going anywhere. Hopefully the earth will still be here next week, but I would, I would like to, to, to cover this one next week. All right. Maya Hillman for next week. Then um, yeah. that's bullshit fill of the news for the 30th of April. Uh, don't forget on our uh, main bullshit fill of the news series at the moment, we're still doing the war on drugs. We're about 11, 12 episodes into it, the history of it, which uh, I'm finding fascinating. So uh, yes, check, absolutely. check that out if you like this show. Learn more about that. Uh, and we'll be back next week with more news stories on BFTN. Tell your friends.